Welcome to Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. We're here to help you take your health, fitness, and mindset to the next level. It's time to level up. We just finished an amazing conversation with the incredible Charlie O'Halloran, who is a holistic gut health coach. Charlie shared so many incredible takeaways and gave a great insight into gut health as well as his own journey. We hope you enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. We have a very exciting guest on the podcast today and we are just super excited to get into this episode and talk a whole lot about gut health. So thank you so much for Charlie uh, for coming on the show. I would love you to introduce yourself and just tell our listeners a little bit about you. Thank you for having me guys. I'm super excited to be here too and share the message around gut health. Uh, A little bit about myself, I suppose I was a personal trainer for a long time and then um, I made the transition to online coaching and then just through my own journey and my own experiences, I started to go down the gut health path and um, found it really rewarding and um, I suppose that's led me to here now. I can go into my my story a little bit more if you want to and how I kind of ended up here, but that's the cliff notes, I guess, of the shortest possible version. Perfect. A lot of us are trainers. Now, trainers give a lot of nutrition advice and macros and meal plans, but often the gut health component is actually forgotten. And Sherelle yeah. and I have spoken many times on many episodes how you can have the quote-unquote perfect macros or the perfect meal plan, but if your gut health, health is off, then it's kind of useless. So mm. did you start to notice things as a trainer that were missing that led you down to this path? Or what exactly was that point between being a trainer and then specializing in gut health? Yeah. Yeah. That was massive for me because like I was obviously working in the gym for, I think six, seven years. And as a personal trainer, like you just perceived as the person who does the exercise side of things. And you can try and give a little bit of nutrition advice, but a lot of the time, like it's either not taken seriously. You don't feel confident in what you're kind of prescribing. You're not even sure if you should be giving nutritional advice. So that was always in my head. I was like, my clients are training, yeah, but I know there's so much left on the table in regards to their results with their nutrition. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I went online, like I started, well, it kind of coinc- uh, it co- it kind of coincided with my own journey and with me going online. So I went online around the same time as when I started my own gut health journey. Mm-hmm. And with online training, like I loved it, but then again, like I was even probably more limited to the results I could get because. I was not even with them in person. So I was just giving them a training program. So I realized I really got to start to get some nutrition stuff going on. Um, But I didn't have that much knowledge. Well, I knew about macros and things like that. But um, so many of my clients were also coming to me with like mental health problems or health challenges. And the macro side of things was awesome for the fat loss, but it wasn't really getting them feeling better. Um, So What I was realizing, like my life was really getting flipped on its head and changing massively with my own journey. So um, just to give you kind of an insight, I had really struggled through all my personal training years. I struggled a lot with mental health, so depression, anxiety, and obviously exercise was a bit of like my therapy, I suppose. But I was doing a lot of work on the side, but I just never really got to a point where I was like, my mental health is, you know, where I wanted to be at. It It wasn't consistent enough. And I'd been to a psychologist and things like that. I was actually at a really bad point with my anxiety because um, I'd come off antidepressants and then I started to get like heart palpitations. I started to like, I didn't really know who I was, to be honest. I was having like all these weird symptoms and I was freaking out and I was always worried that I was going to be 
that I was dying. Um, I was Googling it like every night. I'd be waking up throughout the night. I pretty much was, you know, I couldn't sleep. I had insomnia. And it was all tied in together, yeah, like the anxiety was affecting the sleep. The sleep was making me more anxious. Um, and then so I went to the doctor and the doctor, first off, the two things that I got from the doctor was um, the first one was like he prescribed me Valium. So I was like, I really don't want to go on to another medication because I feel like the medication is what's led me here in the first place. And, you know, I'm really passionate about health and I want to try and do it in a natural way this time. Um, and obviously then I started, you know, working with the psychologist a little bit more. But he told me that my bloods were completely normal. Like I had, my, I thought there's got to be something wrong with my blood work because, you know, I feel terrible. And he said, no, they're all fine. They're perfect. And I was like, oh, well, what do I do now? So then that's when I kind of started to look into it further. And I started to find that there was like another world outside of like the medical world. And that was like functional health. And that's when they look at blood work differently. And they use more like nutrition and supplementation to help you with your health rather than, um, you know, medications and things like that, which was all completely new to me. So I saw who ended up being one of my mentors um, and he explained what was going on in my blood work and showed me all these things that were going wrong with my blood work and all the things that weren't, that were normal, but they weren't optimal. So then I was like, and, he told, and then I'm not going to like go into it too much, but then he told me all these things that was wrong with my gut health and just explained like, this is how your gut health is affecting your mental health and why you're getting all these other symptoms. And I was like, holy shit. Like I was so overwhelmed and I was freaked out, but I was also like, thank God, like there's actually something I can do about it. So then I know that's a long uh, kind of backstory, but that got me to like the protocol and I can break all this kind of stuff down. If you're, if you guys don't, if you guys or your listeners don't really know what this kind of stuff is, but he laid out kind of what I need to do, what foods I need to eat, what supplements I need to take. And I started doing that. And then like, I actually remember it was probably like a month in, I was like, what the hell? Like I'm like, I have this mental clarity. Like I actually feel clear and happy. And also like, I'm working, like I'm working hours and hours straight and feeling good about it so this is actually working and then kept going on my symptoms started to get better I started to feel so much better like the bloating was going down I was eating different foods but that's the thing I had to flip everything I knew on its head like the foods that I thought were good for me the the supplements that I thought I should be taking the way I should be training everything had to change and it was hard it was massive change um, from like that fitness lifestyle that I was so such a big believer in but I realized it was changing my life. So then I started to incorporate some of these things with my clients and they started to feel better. And then I started to think, okay, maybe this is actually the way to go because not many people are doing this. Not many people are doing like blood analysis and going into it deeper and helping people with their gut health. And as we can see now that like these gut conditions are becoming so much more prevalent. So, you know, I was like, I need to, you know, I want to help some people like the way that I've kind of helped myself. So that's how I got into it, I suppose, you know, um, and that, through my own journey and just through the seeing my own results and my own passion for it. And then, yeah, one thing's just led to the next. And then I've just realized the the more I know, the less I know. And it's just been a massive journey in that respect. But yeah, I hope that gives you an insight. Mm, that's awesome, Charlie. Thanks for sharing it. Like, this is exactly where I was going to dive into mm. anyways, because I think understanding the why, like it's so important, but then also so powerful. And Danny and I just preach to the choir about, you know, exploring different realms of like health and wellness and, you know, dabbling in different sorts of practitioners and knowing where to go and not settling, right? Like mm. we really have to be advocates for our own health um, in this world. And we can't just sort of accept one way. And if we're not getting the answers that we want, like I already knew what rabbit hole you're going down when you're like, <laughs> I went to the doctors. And I'm like, here we go. Mm. <laughs> Got all the answers there. Um, I would love to know, like, 
obviously you started as a personal trainer, right? And that's where I've known you from as well, like following you all the way back since then. I've seen like your, I guess, journey and your evolution now really stepping into being so specific and niche driven, obviously, because you're so passionate about gut health. But I'd love to know, like, how long was that transition or like, what was that period of time from like floor PT where you were like macros and progressive overload Mm. only to now like looking at blood work and really getting curious about supplements and, you know, implementing that with clients has that been years in the making or yeah yeah well it it was it was the end of 2019 when i first got my own bloods done so it's been you know it's been over three years now then so it has been i guess a long transition and i think like this is a little bit off topic but i also don't want to um be like misinterpreted that like i have anything against like the fitness industry or the medical industry like they're both amazing they both have their places and i have so much respect for those kind of practitioners and what I'm really passionate about is finding that kind of interconnection, yeah, where we can all kind of work in synergy and help people like get their body composition goals, work through their chronic health conditions, also optimize their gut health. Because at the moment, I feel like in a lot of ways, we're so far apart. And now that I've had so much experience with all three of those worlds, um, I'm trying to gel them a little bit more. So that's why I'm so like grateful for you guys to have me on and kind of maybe share the message a little bit more with like the fitness world and things like that, because um, I think we can definitely like learn a lot from each other. and. I think that's a big mistake some like like some naturopaths and other practitioners make as well is like they forget about people's fitness goals and they don't know how to combine the health side of things with the fitness side of things and um that, I think that's really important too so that was uh, completely off topic but I just wanted to touch back on that quickly but yeah it's been multiple years and I think it's been very gradual um and it's just been like as I felt comfortable learning more things then I've incorporated them with clients and obviously had the the research to back it up and the results to back it up, then I've kind of just grown from there. And just, um, yeah, it was very slow at the start, especially I remember when I first started to have like, I had my fitness clients um, who knew me from like, you know, helping them lose weight. And I'm like, oh, can I just have a look? Can, can Would you be able to go and get your blood work done? Can I have a look at that? Like, you know, would you be open to taking this supplement? Or maybe you shouldn't eat that. Like we went from that to then obviously where I'm at now where I'm like, no, this is what I've got to do. <laughs> like, um, so it was very gradual. But um, I also think that people in general are becoming a lot more open to like this other side of it, the health side of things, the functional health. I think like there's still a long way to go, but I think people are potentially, a lot of people have been let down by like the medical industry a little bit and they're looking for other alternatives. So they're open to that, um, which I think is cool. And I think, again, like we just, I'm a big believer in that too, because then that takes some of the pressure off the medical industry which is like Cheryl you wouldn't know about this a lot like um oh, and probably you do as well Danielle like like it's so overburdened by people who maybe just needed some help with their diet or they just needed to like you know some lifestyle intervention so if we can if there's more practitioners who can then help people not need that in the first place then the doctors and the nurses aren't going to put under so much pressure and then you know it all kind of comes back into a bit more synergy and they can help yeah. their they can help their patients better um as well I'm laughing on the inside because I remember this vivid like shift that I worked in emergency where you'd always get people coming in that are constipated. Like it's just like people coming in there constipated and in emergency, it's like, okay, give them a cup of warm water and tell them to walk around the block and come back. Like nine times out of 10, they'll go to the toilet. I'm like, you've just wasted like 80 bucks and an hour of like the healthcare's time to just 
basic digestive health hygiene. Um, mm. But yeah, it's so interesting. There's such a wide gap, right? And common sense just isn't common. And I think, you know, we're all very privileged, um, at, you know, with the level of knowledge that we've got. And I do recognize that. And that's why we've got places like, you know, podcasts and social media where we can sort of help to spread, you know, some of the learnings and experiences um, that we've been through as well. So yeah, it's mm. I definitely resonated with that. Charlie, you did mention about getting bloods done and, and the transition from you being a trainer to, to what you do now. And by all means, we don't want every trainer now thinking, oh, my God, now I need to learn all, all this stuff. Like you mentioned earlier, it's important to work in synergy with practitioners, which is great. Um, so I just wanted to know a little bit about which symptoms would someone have to look out for? Obviously, you mentioned your story with anxiety and depression and mental health issues, but what are some of the symptoms that people must look out for both for themselves or their client to then warrant that next step? Like how long do you give that training and nutrition plan before you go, hmm, maybe it's not working, I'm still noticing mm. X, Y, Z symptoms before they move on? Yeah, that's an awesome question. Um, and that's something that I never, ever even considered like back when I was a personal trainer, like I would, if I made any dietary recommendations or I looked at their food log, like the only metric that I was basing if that diet was working on, if that diet was working or not was off whether they're losing weight or not. But I never once would have asked like, oh, how do you feel after eating? Or how many times do you go to the toilet a day or a week? Like, do you get bloated? Like they're just not things that I would really talk about. I don't remember ever talking about that anyway. Um, and maybe they didn't feel comfortable or whatever but um i do think that's important um to see how they're responding so things like bloating things like obviously gas um as you just mentioned before like constipation or loose stools they're really good indicators um first off but then like we know that there's so many interconnections between the gut and other parts of the body too like the different axes so a lot of people would have heard of like the gut to main axes so then that's going to be things like you know anxiety or depression which i was talking about which was a big thing for me but then the skin as well. So maybe they're getting like, you know, rashes or eczema, things like that, fatigue from eating, just things like that would be, you know, good indicators that maybe um, maybe the macros are right, but maybe just the types of foods aren't perfect mm. yet. Yeah. You've touched on a couple of different like points there, Charlie, and I think it's really important to sort of um, acknowledge that because even I've gone through like my own sort of like skin journey where I was having like perioral dermatitis, eczema, like lots of different issues that I was like, what is this? I've never had this. Like in all 28 years of my life, I've never had any of these issues. And it did come down to like a lot of nutrition, sort of gut health changes as well. And I just would have never correlated like my digestion with my skin. Like it's just such a foreign thing for a lot of people to think about. About. So I'd love to know, like, if we could briefly just explain, like, maybe what gut health is or what the gut um, microbiome is and how the, mm. those axes um, link together. Yeah, cool. I was actually hoping you would ask this because, like, <laughs> when when people think about what is gut health, they always just think it's just the microbiome. It's just the bacteria in the gut. And we know a lot about that. We think about fiber. We think about probiotics. And we think about digestive symptoms, but like something that I'm a huge believer in is that it's so much more than that. Mm. And I don't want to get too like obviously technical here, but I want to take like you guys on a journey of what I think gut health really is. And it starts with obviously, I look at gut health like a waterfall. Yeah. So we've got the top of the waterfall and then everything downstream from that. So we start at the top and that is really like your mind because like that's kind of your perceptions of food, your relationship mm. with food, but also your stress as well. 
emotions, all those kind of things play a huge role on gut health. Um, so that starts, but then if we have the food, first thing the food does, it goes into the mouth, yeah? And then you start chewing it, you start breaking it down. So the mouth is technically part of the gut health. And there's also like an oral microbiome as well. So there's bacteria in the mouth, there's teeth, there's saliva, there's your tongue, then you swallow it, then it goes down the esophagus and it goes into the stomach. So the stomach is the first part of the, so a lot of people probably don't understand that there's like different sections of the gastrointestinal system. Um, at first part, it go first goes into the stomach and then there's like the small intestine, then there's the large intestine, then it's in, excreted through like the stool. So all those different part elements are going to be part of the gastrointestinal system like gut, incorporate gut health you've also got things like the liver and the gallbladder coming into it as well um the microbiome that's mainly just in what's supposed to mainly just be in the large intestine um but that's the last part of the digestive system so we have to think about when we come back to that waterfall like what's going up upstream of that that could be affecting it so that's like the small intestine, that's the stomach, that's your eating practices, that's your mental health. Um, so I think that's what I, when I think of gut health, I think of that as like the core and then all the other axes that I was talking about, they're kind of extensions of that and how they, they communicate with those different systems. So does that does that answer the question? Love it. We love a good analogy, by the way. I love so a really yeah, land with everyone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, really cool. And you know, Jason. straight away, both of our mind went to the the gut microbiome. But as you said, it's sort of the last part mm. there. So it just reiterates the importance of the mind and, and work your way down. So thank you. That was great. Mm. Yeah, with, cool. with the mind piece as well, Charlie, like this is something I've been thinking about more recently, right? Because you see on the internet, it's like, this is good, this is bad. And then someone else is like, no, that's bad. And this <laughs> is good. And there's like so much conflicting information. Do you think that when people have a perception that food is bad for them, like, oh, mm. I can't digest dairy or, oh, you know, this type of fat is bad for me. Like, can they actually like manifest those symptoms just from thinking that that food, they're not going to digest it properly? I think that definitely can play a role. Um, but I also think like maybe they just haven't, they also just don't know why they're responding. Mm. So I'm, like that's probably the last thing that I'll ever, ever do is be like, maybe it's all in your head. Like I know that's not what you were, I know that's not what you're inferring, but like <laughs> a lot of the time that's actually what people get told when they go to the doctor. Mm. Like um, they get, well, they're like, well, we don't know what's wrong with you. And it might just be all in your head. Like, and the amount of times that I've actually had a client come to me and the doctor has said like you should take an antidepressant for your mm. ibs uh, how does that that just makes you feel crazy that just makes mm. you feel worse um and also if you do go down that road then that can maybe exacerbate some of those digestive issues anyway so um it's definitely possible shrell i think like i think there's and i have had it with clients and i try and like educate them as much as i can and obviously the more we heal the gut the more confidence they have to add those things back in mm. but i also think like probably more often they actually do have some underlying dysfunction that is causing them to react to those foods and um, can be both, I think. Yeah. With, I guess, even like you and your own mental health journey, like how the hell does your gut impact your mental health? Like I know there's obviously probably hormonal changes and a lot of people refer to the gut as like our second brain. And there's a lot of like mm. interlink there, but it, you would never go to the doctors, right. And go, Oh, you know, like I'm, I think I've got depression and they would never say, Oh, mm. how's your gut health? I'd just never do it. It'd be like so foreign yeah. in this yeah. day and age. So, you know, how, how does that even work? And how did you sort of start to become curious about that link and want to start with your gut and be even motivated to do all the protocols and the things to work on that? 
Yeah. I actually, I think about that sometimes, like, because I was just at a loss for what to do with my health. Mm. And I don't, I actually thought I knew a lot about gut health. Like I thought like, you know, I eat probiotics and I eat heaps of different fruits and veggies and stuff like that. So I thought I knew a lot. And then I think I just, I just thought this guy like that I was, that I was working with at the time, I was like, just feel like he knows what he's talking about. I'm just going to try this. Um, and it just put me down a massive rabbit hole. <laughs> and then I just noted the, the benefits of it. But before I do obviously say anything, like I definitely don't want people to think that depression or anxiety is only going to be mm-hmm. like gut health is the answer for that. Like there's so many fact factors to take into consideration. Um, it's such a multifaceted thing. It's extremely challenging. And like, you know, obviously I deeply empathize with people who do struggle with it because I've been there and it was a very, very challenging time in my life. But um, I do think that there's a lot of different factors and I kind of almost believe that like the, the gut might be the first brain, um, like may actually have more of an influence on the brain than the brain does have on the gut. And like, there's a two-way connection. So there's the axes and there's like a nerve, like the vagus nerve. And this kind of this kind of facilitates that communication between the gut and the brain. It's estimated that it's around 90-10. So from about 90% of the messages from the gut are sent to the brain and only about 10% go from the brain to the gut. So that's a, just an interesting statistic. It's probably not a perfect statistic, but it's definitely very much the majority gut to brain. Um, there's also some other really interesting statistics, which I can't touch on because I don't want to butcher the numbers, but there's more <laughs> like in regards to like there being more microbes in the um, in the gut than there are like neurons in the brain and things like that. Um, and yeah, that was a bit of a, <laughs> that was a bit of a crazy thing when I started to look into that and think like, you know, are our bodies just like carriers of the microbiome, which is then actually kind of creating who we are and our personality and things like that? Because We've also seen, like, interestingly, changes in people's personalities when they've had things like um, a fecal transplant, which is very disgusting if you think about it. But it's basically when you take someone's stool and you kind of uh, transplant that into someone else. So they kind of inherit their microbiome and then their personality changes. And also, like, they've used it to treat, like, obesity and things like that as well. So there's links to, to obviously weight. Um, And that's been done in mice as well, those studies where, like, they kind of did the fecal transplant so that's that's one example of it but i think the two big things we have to be aware of is like the microbiome so the bacteria so if when i say the microbiome i'm just referring to like the bacteria that's residing in the gut the collection of them they produce a high amount of our neurotransmitters so neurotransmitters like brain chemicals so things like serotonin dopamine gaba acetylcholine these things are kind of like the brain's hormones in a way. And obviously serotonin, that's very highly correlated with, again, am I going too technical? Because I, no, I this is great. love it. Yeah, love cool. it. Um, <laughs> serotonin, like a lot of people would have heard of serotonin because that's um, what kind of gets influenced by antidepressant medications, like their selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. So that means that um, they're helping basically like keep more serotonin in the brain. But um, about 95% of serotonin in the body is produced in the gut so huge link there and not saying that's all going to cross over the, to the blood brain barrier and affect the brain but um because serotonin also has a role with things like digestive function and constipation and things like that but um that's a big reason one is one i think this the neurotransmitters in the gut are pr- produced there and then affect the brain but i also think like 
if you have damage to like some of the structures in the gut, like the gut lining, then that can lead to certain like food particles and bacterial and bacteria and bacterial byproducts getting into the bloodstream. And then from there, they can then come like basically be transported around the body. And that leads to like systemic inflammation and they can then part because like then they are passing from from coming into the gut where they can be tolerated, but then they get out of the gut into the bloodstream and then from there all to all the different systems of the body, including the brain, and then lead to like chronic inflammation of the brain. And then we know that inflammation of the brain is linked to things like depression as well. Mm-hmm. There's other things that I can think of that obviously come into mind in regards to anxiety and stuff like that. But again, they're probably the two biggest things I think have an influence on gut to mental health. Mm, yeah, it's massive. And there's there's obviously so much in it, right? And I even remember when I was like um, working as a midwife, it was just starting to come into healthcare. Like they're talking yeah. about it a lot with like natural vaginal births versus cesareans mm. and colonizing and, you know, the importance of um, developing our microbiome from such a young age and the impacts of living such a sterile life. Mm. Um, and I find that, found that really interesting because, um, yeah, it was only just starting to come, come through. And a lot of this research, a lot of these findings, like it takes so long just to get into our natural life and be deemed as normal. Like if you spoke about gut health like 20 years ago, people were like, mm. like you're a bit woohoo, like there's no way. Whereas <laughs> now it's like, oh yeah, like I have my greens in the morning and my lemon water and I do all the sort of things. So it is becoming more mainstream, which I love. But we would love to ask you like what behaviours do you see a lot of that can lead to sort of poor gut health or um, impacting, I guess, the microbiome or even the quality of someone's um, gut health in general? Mm. Well, you touched on a really important point that things can start from before you were even born. So you can be at a deficit, like, you know, you're going to inherit, if you're born naturally, then you will inherit your mother's microbiome because as I just mentioned, there's the gut microbiome, but then there's also the oral microbiome. There's also the vaginal microbiome and there's a couple others as well, but they're the main ones. So when you pass through the vaginal canal, then you're obviously going to inherit, you know, the, the microbiome. If you're born, if you're born via C-section, then you're, that's not going to happen. You're going to get a little bit from your mom, but then you're going to get from all the bacteria around you as well. The, the doctors, the nurses, if you're born in a hospital, for example. So that that's a starting point. Yeah. But in regards to like behaviors, obviously antibiotic overuse, that's a massive one because antibiotics are kind of like an atomic bomb in the gut. Yeah. Like they they have their place. They've saved so many lives, but we just have to be aware that there's also some collateral damage and that if we're using them too much, then we're going to be wiping out a lot of our good bacteria. And it can be quite challenging to get that back. Um, it can take can take a very, very long time to kind of your, your gut microbiome to recover. Like we're talking years. So that's just something we want to be aware of that personally, like, like we want to be just mindful of when we're using antibiotics and re- if we can avoid it. I would do so. Um, so I think that's a huge one. I think um, like obviously diet plays a big role. So things like um, like certain foods you might be consuming that are not ideal and the odds are stacked against us in today's world. So we just need to be aware of that and try and make some extra effort to consume good quality foods. I'm not going to get too much into foods and stuff like that because like it depends on the individual a lot. And, you know, I don't want to create any more fear around food. I think you should just be guided by someone. Um, this, As you said, there's so much conflicting information out there. I don't need to add to that further with just my beliefs. I think it's more just about finding what works for you and someone you trust. So I think food does play a big role in it too. But 
you know, we can, we definitely can't deny alcohol. We definitely can't deny like things like the pill um, as being like, again, uh, again, like not saying these things don't have their place, just saying that we have to be you aware. You can say that- it on this podcast. Don't worry. I've <laughs> had so many other professionals do it. <laughs> oh, it's, it's just that I want people to be aware. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it, it's not to create fear. And if you know a lot, in a lot of cases, like the pill does, uh, does have its place for, for some people. But again, like, I just think if women aren't educated when, when they make that decision, it's just about making an educated decision. That's all it's all it's about. It's about being educated and then making an informed decision. Um, so yeah, the pill, alcohol, um, and then I think stress as well, stress, because stress has such a downstream impact on everything else. And people are just chronically stressed, chronically rushing, I think that's just a huge one that gets overlooked. Like, you know, we can talk about foods, we can talk about supplements all day, but if people aren't thinking about like the effect of some of their lifestyle behaviors, especially stress and things like that, and negative emotions and past traumas, then that's when they get stuck on the hamster wheel. And that's when they're like, oh, God, health supplements don't work. This, this protocol doesn't work. It only works if you do the work too on your mind. And I think that's so pivotal for people to understand. Mm, absolutely stress is a massive one right and you know danny we've definitely spoken a lot about the impacts of um stress and the nervous system and chewing your food and not eating in the car and yes. you know respecting environments and all of those sort of things so a hundred percent it's it's where everyone should start before they definitely reach for all the protocols and the supplements is you know as you said the waterfall like looking at the the mouth of it and where it's all starting from yeah, and we've all had that feeling of butterflies in your stomach, you know, yeah. when we're a bit anxious for something. We definitely know something's happening in our gut. Yeah. Um, so thank you for sharing all those behaviours. And you did mention you were told to change the way that you were training. And, again, mm-hmm. everything is context-dependent. So we don't yeah. want people who are training in this way to think that it's wrong. Um, but what kind of training were you doing and what change did you make? Or was it a lack of training? Super interested to know about that side of things. Yeah, well, it's cool. It's interesting because you can kind of see my journey. Like I've got three, it's on my Instagram and there's like three photos side by side. And like the start is like I'm overweight, I'm bloated, I'm depressed. And then the second photo is like a couple of years later when I got in more into the fitness world and I'm pretty lean. I've got a decent amount of muscle mass, but I was still having a lot of these digestive symptoms and I was still, um, and I was still, had poor mental health and then the last photo is kind of like i look more just normal like regular body fat um but also my mental health is a lot better and i'd kind of heal my gut so in that middle photo that's when i was doing that's when i was doing a lot of the damage to my gut and i was training pretty hard like I'm, obviously i know who i'm talking to so i'm not training that hard but like <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> but like you know i was training probably like five six days a week i was training like sometimes i was training fasted Sometimes I was, you know, I was doing pretty heavy weights um, and, you know, I wasn't having many rest days and the workouts were like, yeah, there would have been like at least an hour, 90 minutes because then I'm, because I'm obviously like, as I said, like that was a big, um, it was a big part of my identity, but it was also kind of a, a therapy for me as well. So, but I also had the worst doms that you could like, it's just not normal. Like it was literally like I would be sore for the whole week. Um, I'd just be perpetually sore um and that was to do with kind of the bacteria that i had like the bacterial overgrowth that i had going on in my gut and affecting um things like hydrogen ions and things like that with obviously with like um you guys probably know more about this than me i've actually kind of blanked on a little bit but that's kind of what you need to clear to help with recovery and that can kind of contribute to soreness so 
the bacteria was actually producing more of that. So then I was just overburdened. I couldn't actually clear it all out to recover. So I was staying sore. And then obviously nutrient absorption was massively affected too. So maybe I was eating like I was eating. So this is an interesting thing. I was eating tons of food, plenty of calories, pretty nutrient dense by most people's perspectives as well. But then my bloods came up and then it kind of showed me a lot of these nutrient deficiencies. And it's because like I had such severe damage to like my actual small intestine, which is where you absorb majority of your nutrients. So I was just on this vicious cycle. Um, so this, yeah, I was doing a lot of heavy training, not long duration stuff. I was even doing long runs and stuff. I was just smashing myself in any way I possibly could. Um, so yeah, I'm not saying that people can't do that, especially if your gut health is in a good place, then for sure, like there's, there's a time and place for that. But for me at that time, it literally got flipped on its head and I was doing like, I was still, I could still train, but I was doing like, I was doing very um, like short eccentric. So more like strong man strength training where I wasn't like trying to break the muscle down too much. I started to add in yoga, which I actually fell in love with a lot, doing a lot more walking and especially like active recovery and things like that. So um, it just became, and more rest days and stuff like that. So um, it was more just trying to get myself into more of a parasympathetic state um, where more like rest and digest rather than being in that sympathetic burnt out stage all the time. Mm. So many really good takeaways in that. And something that sort of come up for me, like as a coach is sometimes, um, and not all, not often, but I'll get a client that might be eating a lot of food, like 3000 calories or more, like, you know, as like a 60, 65 kilogram female, um, trying to build muscle and just not getting anywhere. And I'm like, that's a lot of calories for your body Mm -hmm. size. Like something's not going on. And then usually it does come down to, like you said, like, it's not just calories in calories out. And it really frustrates me when people just put this simple language on it. It's like, you aren't what you eat. You are what you digest. Right. And the goal of building muscle isn't just like smashing as many calories as possible. Like we actually want sort of not minimum effective dose, but you want to be in a really good place. You don't want to feel like you're constantly eating and constantly shoveling food down your throat just to put on muscle. Um, And yeah, I think it's just so important to recognize the impact of stress. And, you know, it's also not just linked to, body composition either right like in the fitness industry especially like um in our with our competing background people mm. can be shredded and looking amazing and just hate their life and have lots of health problems too so there's definitely just like so many missing links as, and it comes from coaching right because mm. a lot of coaches don't understand that they go oh my client's maintaining on 3500 calories they're killing it and you're like hmm i, I just <laughs> don't know whether that's right like at the moment yeah exactly 100 percent. it's um yeah it's definitely a big gap as you said between you know the two worlds i would love to know i don't care how advanced they are or how like you know you've got a blue tongue right now because you've been drinking nothing (laughs) but i would love to know like what are your like non-negotiable rituals and they don't even have to be in relation to gut health i know you're sort of quite into you know like sleep quality and you know all of those sort of things as well so i'd love to know like in the morning do you have anything that you sort of like do in regards to gut health or just general wellness and then the same Mm. sort of back end of the day Mm. Yeah, I do. I mean, I'm really lucky because I live right near the beach. I live like five minute walk to the beach. So I do have my morning ritual. And I don't think I've missed a day that I've been home where I haven't gone down to the beach in the morning. And just um, the the main goal there is just to like kind of get grounded. I just enjoy swimming in the ocean and then getting natural light on my eyes because you're right, like sleep is important to me. And sleep's also something that I've personally had struggled with a lot. So I have to do a lot of work on it. And the biggest thing for me is definitely light exposure. So getting that natural 
getting as much as I want to jump straight into work and like get some things done because that's when I'm most productive. I always give myself that 30 minutes in the morning where I'll just go down, take some deep breaths, slow down, have some time away from my phone and get natural light of my eyes. And obviously looking over the, the horizon doesn't hurt too. That's my, that's my main one. Like I used to have a pretty elaborate morning routine and things like that, but I've kind of just focused on minimizing it to one, make it because it's obviously affecting my productivity for stuff. Artists spending two, three hours in the morning doing all these different things. And I wasn't getting that much of a reward from it either. I wonder, like it probably, it's probably so second nature to me now that I just kind of forgotten what I actually do. If I think about this morning, this morning, I just went, yeah, I went down to the beach. Uh, yeah, nothing. I just, obviously I drink water. I drink some electrolytes in the morning just to kind of rehydrate. It's, it's pretty boring, pretty basic, nothing too crazy. And then in the evening, I put on blue blocking glasses. That's something that I always do. And it's so easy. And then uh, I just, I would like to read a bit of fiction. Sometimes like I try and read, try and move away from like watching things. This is all just, yeah. Unfortunately, guys, I don't have anything like mind That's long great. Long. That's what we yeah. want. Yeah. <laughs> we don't want something that's so unachievable for people. And I think it's important, you know, the theme of what you've been talking about in terms of your interventions was stress reduction and trying not yeah. to always be busy and always consume content and watch TV and, and always be on the go. So the fact that you sort of just explained, you know, one or two key things that you do and you couldn't even remember was great because we get sold a lot of this, you know, bullshit marketing. You must do this. You must do that. You need a 20-step morning routine and then a 30-step nighttime routine and, you know, the middle of the day do this. But it was actually quite beautiful just to watch you recall one or two key things that you do that involve just mindfulness and being present which is amazing. Yeah. Now, not all of us can go walk to the beach in the morning, um, obviously, but, you know, it's nice to know that that can come in whatever way, shape or form that suits our individual lifestyle. So you did talk about all the, the mental side of it, which is great and slowing down. You also mentioned sort of digesting your food and chewing your food and all of that. But let's just say someone's tried to intervene and add all these things in their life, but they're still recalling symptoms because I know a lot of people now would be going oh my god my skin is breaking out I do get bloated I I am a bit anxious and you you spoke about getting bloods done and Sherelle mm. and I have shared many times our poor experiences with going mm. to GPs and you know not really being supported in the way that we feel that we need and that's a general statement obviously there are GPs yeah. that are more open to our way of being and thinking but I don't want everyone to just all of a sudden think they have to go to the doctor and then because they're going to get rejected for blood tests. So who, aside from you, who <laughs> do people go to as a general, you know, standpoint to actually just get help? Yeah, this is a really, really tough one um, because if you do, when people have a health problem, whether it is gut health, like let's say you have like bloating, you have some of these, you know, whether it's depression, anxiety, you have constipation, First thought, I know, especially in Australia, is going to be to go to the doctor. And that was me as well. So I completely understand that. But the, the two things that are most likely going to happen here is, yeah, you're going to go to the doctor and they'll either, they'll either say no, like you don't need blood tests, um, even if you haven't had them. And that's a big rabbit hole. And we won't want to go down that now. But um, either gonna get re- you're going to get denied or you're going to get told that all your bloods are normal. And if you don't feel normal, that can only have two negative outcomes it's going to either make you feel like a hypochondriac and then um think like oh maybe i am normal or it's going to make you become uh you're going to think oh i'm normal i can just keep doing what i'm doing like i don't need to change anything like it's all good 
So I don't see the benefit in that really. Or, or the third outcome is you'll find out that you have like an actual serious condition because that's what the normal ranges are for. They're just, they're based on what everybody who has been tested, um, it's kind of like a bell curve. So if you, to fall outside the normal range, you've just got to be in the bottom 2.5% of that marker or the top. So um, it's very unlikely that you're going to, that's going to happen. And even if it does, a lot of the time, it's just going to be like, oh, you have low iron. Here's an iron supplement. But why is the iron low? Like that's just a common example. And if you have digestive symptoms, the other thing that might happen is like you'll get told you have IBS. And IBS is just like a, it's kind of like a blanket term for just you have digestive symptoms. Like it's, it's a syndrome. So it's a collection of symptoms. And then the solutions for that are usually like maybe low FODMAP diet, maybe antidepressant maybe they take you to a gastroenterologist to do some more testing that might may come back with something but often doesn't so it's a bit of a doesn't really lead anywhere productive for the for the patient in my belief and um, we know that like a high percentage of ibs is just caused by like it has a cause yeah which a lot of doctors which they will i'm sure as as she was talking about like we'll over time we'll start to become more aware of these things but at the moment the research is not there in the medical world it's a bit slow to catch up um, we know that like a lot of the ibs is just caused by certain dysfunctions. So things like bacterial overgrowths or potentially like H. pylori or leaky gut or things like that. You're not really going to get much help. So it is kind of hard to get that help without seeing a practitioner. Like if you can afford to do that, that's what I recommend doing. And there's lots of great ones out there. Like um, you just want to find someone that, you know, you you believe in, you align with, and that has gotten results too. Because there's a lot of people out there because gut health is trending at the moment too. Like there's, it's very common. There's a lot of people doing gut health um, coaching and things like that. And there isn't like, you know, I'll be the first to admit there isn't a huge amount of like, there's, there's no certifications or anything like that. Like it's, so you kind of have to be led by, there's naturopathy, but it's a bit of a different world again. And again, there's good and bad, just like with anything, good gut health coaches, good PTs, good physios, whatever it is, there's good and bad. So you've got to find someone that's been, backed by the results they have and that you align with that's if you can afford that because that that's the hard thing that's going to be a personal expense whereas the doctor is usually going to be covered under healthcare. so i completely understand that it's not it's not an affordable journey for everybody um because it's 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 definitely not cheap either to answer the question i think you can make some i think you can see some huge improvements just by doing some basic stuff and rather than spending money on supplements that you that may or may not work or that may or may not be good for for you making some of these lifestyle changes because you're going to have to do that anyway so if you for example if you came to me i'm first thing i'm going to say is like all right let's work let's let's fix up your lifestyle let's get you eating your food like chewing your food properly you know it's cutting out a lot of these inflammatory foods like a lot of people want a fancy answer but you have to lay the groundwork first you have to have those foundations so to yeah to answer your question daniel i think there's good and bad like there's great naturopaths out there but there's also horrible there's that even doctors out there that are great but there's also terrible and there's good coaches out there as well um, who are kind of just doing their paving their own way, I suppose. And there's also terrible ones as well. So I can't give, does that help a little bit? I know it's not a specific answer, but uh, I just wanted to kind of, I, I guess, educate people a little bit around how it works. Really great. I mean, you, it is a, a complex topic and I'd rather you be honest and say, look, there isn't a definitive answer because it shows that you're actually authentic and real. You don't, you're not coming on here saying, yep, this is my three-step protocol and to change your mm. life. You know, you're actually weighing up the pros and cons. You're considering people's context and individualities. So 
Perfect answer. I mean, you you mentioned just for people to really study who they're going to reach out to and look at their clients' results. And that's what you have to do for this industry or just when you're looking for a coach as well. It's not necessarily about the title. It's about the person's way of practicing and the results they've gotten with their clients. So yeah, that's totally yeah. fine. And I think that's an easy red flag to pick up on is if someone is telling you that this is the only way, then that's probably not going to be a good approach to take because there is no one size size fits all because i can run you through 10 different dysfunctions that someone can have and in their gut and then that's all going to take a different approach so we just need to be aware of that and i think the other thing another red flag is like if they're recommending you to get a heap of tests but they haven't asked you any questions so they're saying you got to spend a thousand dollars on tests and a thousand dollars on supplements but they haven't asked you about your stress your eating practices you know your symptoms like which is free and listened, then I think that's also a big red flag for me. They'll be the two two biggest things. Yep, really good. And look, we totally get it. We say it depends more times than we could count in an episode because it just depends on everything, right? And as you said, like it's such a such a complex topic. Um, just like any sort of result, you're going to go through trial and error. You're going to try certain things that work for some people and they're not going to work for others. But that's the skill of a coach or a practitioner is to be able to problem solve or see around the corner um, when you don't know where you're going at the end of the day. I just had a question in regards to, um, I guess, like learning. Is there any sort of like books or like any sort of like self-directed places that you go to or you send people to that are like good starting points if they Mm. wanted to get like a little bit more of a deeper insight like podcasts or just anything in general that you um that you really enjoy yeah there's a couple um i've got a couple of really good books right here so healthy gut healthy you by um dr michael ruscio that's a really good book which is one of the only books that i've found that um i kind of align on the nutritional side of things so that's an awesome place to start again like he has his own protocol which i don't know if i believe in in doing it on your own like and mm. following a one size fits all but the not the information there's awesome if you want to have your mind blown then the mind gut connection it's called yeah the mind gut connection by emma and my uh, emma and Mayer. that's a really good one just breaking down but again like i'm not really too aligned with the nutritional side of things and i think it depends but it just a red flag for me as well is if someone has like a specific, I think the word is dogma or a belief like, oh, it has to be plant-based or it has to be carnivore. For me, that's probably, you know, that's just a, um, not always the best approach to take. So those are two books that I love. Um, there's also a really good book called Your Blood Never Lies. Uh, that's an old book by uh, James Laval. And that goes into some of the, um, that goes into some of the blood markets. That's probably for more for practitioners. Uh, if they want to kind of just be a little bit more aware of some things that you can do, or maybe people as well, if they just want to look at their blood work and have a bit of an idea there. I think the nutritional stuff has a belief behind it, but that's um, anyway. And then <laughs> I can really else? hear that in you like, oh, but just don't, don't, don't listen to that piece of the book. <laughs> yeah. Just, just forget yeah. nutrition. Like, cause there's just so much out there. I just think there is literally yeah. no one size fits all when it comes to nutrition yes. um, or, or there's at least not a, you know, yeah, specific rules, I suppose. And because that's an older book, like we have newer research as well, kind of backing up some of the things that it said weren't that accurate. But blood work-wise, it's awesome. Um, And then podcast-wise, the only podcast that I like is two of my mentors, Jake Dolishol and Dave O'Brien. These guys like pioneers when it comes to gut health. They're like, especially Dave, like that. And Dave was the person who mentored me first and took me through my first protocol and introduced me to this world and has an incredible level of knowledge. But obviously he goes very deep on the science. So that can be a bit high level, but... That would be an awesome one to listen to. And 
they're, yeah, there's some good starting points, I think, for people. Yeah, great. Because, yeah, like, you know, our listeners and even ourselves, like, if we name drop a book, we'll get like 10 messages of like, what was the book? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. oh, I can't remember anymore. So thanks for giving context for those. I'm sure they'll be great. Um, And yeah, even I'll, I'll definitely dabble in those. But um, just to tie things up, because we've covered a lot today and we've really sort of gone out on the outside and really zoomed out to look at gut health from a broader perspective, which is awesome. It's definitely where everyone needs to start. I feel like everyone starts so zoomed in, um, whether it's like a supplement or a protocol or or like you said, rather than actually understanding the zoomed out perspective of gut health. But we would love to know like what small action could someone take today just to get that 1% better or just to improve their gut health or even just get curious about it? Mm. We've already touched on this and I know people probably going to want to hear a food. They're going to want to hear a supplement, (laughs) but I really do think the most important thing that is the most overlooked Obviously, stress, stress is one, but is your eating practices. This is something that so many people struggle with. This took me like probably a year of literally like working on to improve. But this is something you can do for free and that will benefit everyone and that you can do forever. So that is things like, this is my little routine before I kind of eat a meal. And I don't do it every single meal. But if I want to, you know, if it was to be optimal, I take my food away from anywhere. Like I have a, like a table outside that I sit at because I don't work at that table. Like it's kind of taking me away from because I work from home, obviously. Um, that environment and I'm getting natural light I'm looking out over kind of the uh, horizon which can help you get into more of a parasympathetic state so I'm sitting outside and then I'll sit my food in front of me for like maybe 30 seconds and actually look at the food let and smell it because that's called like the cephalic phase of digestion where you start to produce saliva you start to produce stomach acid which is really important so then I sit down I smell the food I look at it maybe even be grateful for it, like grateful for how it got to me to be able to have access to a better gratitude. You know, I've mentioned this on a podcast before and people are surprised by it, but I'm not against the idea of like saying grace. I'm not religious, but that's just being grateful and mm. that's helping you, you know, put yourself into a more parasympathetic state before eating. So that's going to be good. So I'm grateful for the food. Um, and then I might do some deep breaths as well. So some deep belly breaths. You can, if you aren't worried about looking super weird, do some humming too. So you can just like, what I do is I breathe in and then when, I, when I'm kind of breathing out, I'll like hum and do those things. And What does the just, humming do? What's that The do? humming helps to like prime the vagus nerve. It kind of helps to wow. prime all. Mm, is that why they do it in yoga? Functions. And they do the um. Yes, I, think, oh. I believe so. Yeah, I believe there is like, it helps to kind of tune in with that. So it's helping and even just try this and just let me know how much more saliva you produce by just slowing down before your meal and humming. And then like I'm going into detail here, but if, if, if anyone does one of these things that they don't do already, then they're going to be so much better off than chewing the food, like slowly breaking it down into a paste, like literally chew it till it's nothing. Yeah. And then swallowing it. And in between, while I'm chewing the knife and fork down, like on the, on the table. Mm. So, so I'm not rushing into my next mouthful. Yeah. I'm chewing my food. Then I'll take the next mouthful. Um, and I, people probably imagine me look like a monk or something like that, but <laughs> I've actually gone from, I remember when I was younger, I would just, I would read the cereal box every single day, the same cereal box, um, just to distract myself from the food. I think like I was, this was, I was young. I didn't know about any of this, but um, why would I read the cereal box every single day? I just don't understand why. I obviously just didn't, found it very hard to be present with my food. I think a lot of people do that. And I went from, you know, I used to, sometimes I'd be scrolling while eating. Sometimes I'd be watching YouTube and then I gradually scaled it back, started listening to podcasts, 
But then I was like, I'm still not focusing on my food. I'm listening to this podcast. I started listening to music and started putting on some, some more peaceful music, not just like anything kind of intense or with lyrics. And then I just moved it to nothing. So I kind of just scaled it back gradually to just making this kind of a part of my meditative practice throughout the day. Chewing my food, breaking it down, swallowing it, and then um, yeah, taking my time with the food. So that's that's the big thing. Yeah, If people can start doing that, it's not going to change your life overnight, but it, it probably will actually. You'll probably find you digest your food so much better. You feel fuller. It's going to help with appetite. It's going to help with digestion. It's going to help in so many ways. That's awesome. Wow. That's great advice. Because I was like, oh, don't worry, guys, I don't do that. Like, <laughs> no I don't do that. But yeah, it makes so much sense, right? And I love it because obviously it's free, it's affordable, we can all do it. Um, we just need to make sure that we've got the time to be able to because yeah, it's not the cereal box anymore. It's definitely Instagram or mm. our phones or something else that's around us. But you're so right. Like, I feel like so many people struggle just to sit. And just to like not be distracted or just not be doing something. And, you know, definitely I do as well. I'm like, I'm bored, but you know what? That's really good for digesting mm. food. Like it's really mm. important to feel bored from time to time. I know yeah. I sounded a bit woo then, but if you just do one of those things, you don't have to hum. Maybe you don't have to like take deep breaths, but just try one of those things. Mm. Um, and it won't take any more time and it will have a big, it will have a big payoff. I was literally salivating as I was imagining what you were describing. <laughs> so I'm trying not to laugh this whole time because I, I think <laughs> it's so beautiful what you described and that ritual and just being present and honouring your food and thanking, you know, being grateful for the food. But then because you said it in such a descriptive way, I was full <laughs> yeah. salivating, which is what you said would happen when the real food's in front of you. So it it, it works. I was salivating and I'm really hungry. I'm going to go have a bite to eat after this. But um, <laughs> thank you for sharing that. And it is almost sad in a way that we feel a bit silly talking about things like that just because it's so different. But you look at a lot of, I think it's like Japanese culture, Um, and other cultures where you know they take their shoes off to eat they Mm. they only use chopsticks or some even use their hands just to really feel the food so I think in our our western culture you can kind of laugh at it but I feel like on the other side of the world they're laughing at us for not doing what they're doing so it's really cool to try and blend that in and and see it from another perspective yeah yeah totally that's a good recap good good um point well, thank you for today. It's It's been awesome and we're always mindful to not keep our guests on for four hours, just picking your amazing <laughs> brain. But we've had a look at um, your Instagram. Well, Sherelle mentioned she's been following you for so, so long. Um, and before this podcast sent me so many of your amazing posts and I'm obsessed with <laughs> your page. You just lay out the information so well and it's really informative and simple. Um, so can you please let our listeners know where they can find you and hear more about you? Thank you for those kind words, by the way. Um, and I've really enjoyed it and I'd be happy to talk about gut health for four hours, um, but I do have other stuff I've got to do, unfortunately. <laughs> um, you can find me at Holistic Gut Health on Instagram. That's the only place I really hang out. Um, and yeah, that's where I post the majority of my content. So check it out. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Charlie. It's been such a pleasure. And uh, yeah, I know our listeners will absolutely love this. I don't think we've had a guest on the podcast really going into gut health in detail. So it's been so good to have you. And if everyone did enjoy this episode, as always, make sure that you do take a screenshot, share it onto your socials, tag the Level Up podcast, and of course, tag Charlie on Instagram as well. We will put um, all links for Charlie as well in the description below. So if you want to find more out about Charlie and what he does, 
um, head down there. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed that conversation. Thanks, Thank Charlie. You.